Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 143 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield in the big chair for tonight, Sunday night, October 18th, 2020. It is a post-game show. You heard some of the sad music, so you probably know it's not going to be a glorious victory installment of the SCO Show. It's a bit of a weird show. And now usually what we do after a loss, such as the Patriots suffered today at the hands of the Denver Broncos, 18-12, to is we do our good, our bad, and our ugly. But I'm going to start off with some good news, and I'm going to start off with some bad news. But before we do anything, your usual cavalcade of reminders, please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like... Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Not one, not two, but three. Count them, three SB Nation websites. Then, of course, USA Today's Touchdown Wire. And those SB Nation websites, if you've forgotten, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course right here at Pat's Pulpit. Let's start off with some good news and some bad news. And I'm going to do the good news first. The good news is this. If you're looking for a silver lining on a night like tonight. When Cam Newton threw his second interception of the day, a pass that was tipped by Justin Simmons, a player whom yours truly pointed out that the Patriots needed to figure out where he was on every single snap. When it became an 18-3 game, I think most people probably packed it in. Some of us, literally. Because some of us want to go coach Little League at that moment. Figuring this game was over. We had seen enough. And now, I had requested kindly that the fine denizens of the Scotia Slack channel would keep me in the loop if perhaps the worm would turn. And so as myself and my family were barreling down Interstate 270 in the direction of the Bethesda, Maryland area so I could go coach my son's Little League game, my phone starts buzzing. And it's messages, direct messages, mentions in the Slack channel because the worm had indeed turned. Because the Patriots made a game of it when it seemed like there was no game to be made. Now this was a day where it seemed like everything was going against them. You had so many injuries up front that you were jumbling around, guys. You hadn't had a chance to practice a lot. You had two interceptions. You had given up points on every drive, although they were just field goals, which was huge. And it seemed like everybody from Bill Belichick on down was kind of waving the white flag, right? I mean, you even had a scenario where they were just punting. It seemed like it was over. But this team, and in particular, this defense, found a way to get you back into this game. And it is that defense because they forced two critical turnovers from Drew Locke in the second half of this game. But even before that, after that second interception, when everybody had given up and everybody had turned things off, they force a three and out. Patriots go three and out. What does the defense do? They force another three and out. And so now Cam Newton, the offense, 
they get the ball, and you get the two big plays to sort of jumpstart your afternoon. You get the completion to Damian Bird along the left sideline, and then you get the huge scramble from Cam Newton, just showing you his athleticism with the burst upfield through the interior of the line, gets you 38 yards, first and goal at the eight. You eventually punch it in with Cam Newton. Now, the decision there to go for two, I know some people question that. But I think Belichick was of the mindset that I want to get as many cracks at this as I can. Go for it early. Why not? So I, I was okay with the decision to go for two there. Now, some might say, look, you know, your defense has done a great job now. You kick the one, you keep it 18 to 10. Your defense is probably going to get you another start. Stop. And that might have been the smarter move, particularly hindsight being what it is. But I liked the message it sent to his offense. I know we've had a tough day. I know yards have been tough to come by. I know it hasn't been great. But I trust you guys to go out there and get this two-point conversion. So I like the message it sent there from Bill Belichick. And so what does your defense do in response? Maybe hindsight being what it is, what your defense does in response makes you think kicking the PAT was a smart play because they force the interception. And what I love about this interception is that it looked like another occasion where they did what I wanted them to do this week, where they forced Drew Locke to his second read because it's third and eleven. He takes the snap. He opens to the middle of the field to read the safety rotation. Then he tries to throw this whole shot back to the left sideline to Tim Patrick, and it comes out ugly. It just comes off of his hand ugly, and J.C. Jackson is there for the interception. I mean, it's open, but it's a poor throw, and it's an example of getting a young quarterback to his second read, and things are going to happen for you. So they get the interception. They get the turnover. Patriots on offense, you've got great field position. At the plus 25. But the offensive line can't really give Cam. He gets sacked on first down. You don't get much on second down. Third and 17, Cam scrambles again. You come up short, so you have to kick the field goal. That was a obviously a pivotal sequence. But what does your defense do again? Now it's 18-12. Three minutes, 23 seconds left. You do the little pooch kick into the end zone. You don't try the onside kick. What does your defense do? They force the other interception. You get pressure on Drew Locke. You get the overthrow. Again, he's forced to his second read or so. You get the turnover. Jonathan Jones with the interception and overthrow. Now you're in business. Now here comes the bad news. The bad news is layered, in a sense. The bad news is this. Even though you fought back into this game, so where it's 18 to 12, 314 left, you've got two of your three timeouts and a chance to go downfield and score. The bad news is that, A, you were in that position to begin with because of a variety of things, which we will talk about in the second half of this show. 
But the rest of the bad news is this. Despite everything that was great that got you to this moment with a chance to win, you don't capitalize. They tried some trick plays. They tried some different things on that drive. They tried everything they could. You had some double passes. You had a chance on a deep throw that was just underthrown. It didn't happen for you. And now, we're in a position with this team where we didn't think they would be, and this was sort of our nightmare scenario before this season started. And obviously, things changed a bit. Obviously, the calculus and the analysis has changed a bit. But the fear I think many had was with the way this schedule started, and with the way this schedule sets up, if you're two and three after the first five headed into the bye, that's a problem. If you're three and two, that's probably where you expect to be because you've got games at Seattle and at Kansas City, and those games look to be tough. Well, the problem is they're two and three. This was sort of our nightmare scenario. And the second layer to that is because of the COVID-19 delays in this game, you don't have a bye week to, quote, get right. You've got to roll right back into it next Sunday with the San Francisco 49ers. There's no post-five games. Let's take stock. Let's see what we do well. Let's see where we struggle. No, you've got to get right back into it. So more than anything else, that's the ugly truth right now. Is that this team is now two and three with no rest for the weary. You have a game coming up. And the schedule doesn't set up that well. San Francisco is not where we thought they would be. They have struggled. Then you get at Buffalo. Buffalo is who we thought they would be. That game looks tough. Then you get the Jets, arguably the worst team in the league. I don't think everybody would push back on that. Then you've got Baltimore. Then you've got Houston, who seems to be turning around. Arizona is still dangerous. The Chargers are dangerous with Justin Herbert. The Rams are one of the best teams in football. The Dolphins are playing better. Then you get the Bills again. The fear was that the second half of the season and that schedule was going to be so tough that if you were 2-3, and three, that was going to make a big difference. And now that 2-3 and three scenario is upon us. If you're looking for a silver lining in that ugliness, it's this. This team played bad at the start of the game. This team seemed out of it at the start of the game, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, dealing with all the guys out of position, dealing with some new faces and some new matchups up front, some new combinations of guys up front, and then you get an injury on top of that with Jermaine Illumino when he gets rolled up on in the first half. And even with all of that, You still have the ball with a chance to win with three minutes to go. When I got in my car to take the family to play baseball, as we were driving, I was starting to run through how I was going to open this show. And my opener was going to be this. Forget this game. It's over. It's done. Weird set of circumstances. Put it in the past. Bury it. Yeah, they're two and three. Whatever. And let's just turn the page. It was going to be a turn the page show. 
And I was going to start talking about the San Francisco 49ers and their quarterback woes. But given the way that they came back, I think there is a silver lining. I think there's reason to be optimistic. And the ugliness of that first half and maybe first three quarters of this game, they fought through that and found a way to give themselves a chance. And with the way they fought through that, I have flashed back in my mind to this offseason when the thought was, as David Archibald so eloquently put it, they're going to have a defense that is going to put them in position to try to win some 17-14 rock fights. And if that isn't exactly what happened today, I don't know what is. Because that is exactly, in my mind, how this played out. Their defense did everything they could to keep them in this game long enough on a day where the offense wasn't putting it together. And then this offense found a way to be explosive on one drive. Perhaps the, you know, the... The thing that sticks in your craw is settling for a field goal when you had that first and 10 at the plus 25. If you get a touchdown there, this is an entirely different conversation, I think. But even with the ugliness at the start and all the things that they had to deal with, they had the ball with a chance at the end, and that is more I think any of us could have asked for at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Up next, we're going to talk a little bit more specifics about this game, some good, some bad, some ugly, but I did sort of want to start with the big picture. That is ahead here in episode 143 of the Scope Show. Mark Schofield back with you now in episode 143 of the Scope Show. And we kind of talked about the ugly and I just want to sort of reiterate the ugly before we talk about some good and bad plays. Because the ugly was... The start of this game, the injuries that they suffered, and this offensive line. Because that was an issue at the start of the game. It was an issue at the end of the game. Because they had trouble protecting Cam Newton. And they dodged some bullets in this game, too. There were potential strip sacks. There was one where... The play where Newton actually rolled up on Illuminor, he got hit as he was bringing the ball back. And I don't know for the life of me how Cam Newton held on to the football in that moment. That was one of those reminders that, look, these are superhumans that we're talking about here because the strength of Newton and the hand and the upper body to hold on to the football in that moment blew my mind. He was only sacked four times. But I feel like he was pressured the entire game. And a lot of that was on, look, the offensive line. When you start off with Justin Heron at left tackle, Isaiah Wynn at left guard, Joe Tooney, Michael Wenu, and Jermaine Illuminor, and then you've got to move a Wenu out to right tackle and Brendan Hilde Froholt. Like you're moving guys around and you're doing it when you don't have a lot of practice time together with these guys. You know, there are a lot of things you can accomplish in a Zoom meeting getting ready for a football game, but offensive line cohesiveness is not one of them. And so the ugliness of this game, I think, was that. Because 
a lot of their offensive line woes derived and, you know, flow downhill from there. Let's start with some good stuff before we do some bad stuff. Good stuff. Look, Juwan Bentley, say what you want about Juwan Bentley in space, in coverage against the pass. 12 tackles, 8 of them solo. His timing on some blitzes, which we're going to get into in a second, huge. His timing on some run blitzes, huge. He had a huge game defensively. Adrian Phillips had a good game defensively. I think Jonathan Jones, outside of some spots here and there, had a big game. J.C. Jackson with the interception, huge. This defense kept you in a position to win a rock fight in an era when rock fights aren't winnable because they're not possible. And a lot of people will point to they gave up six scoring drives to open the game. Six field goals. Denver puts one of those into the end zone, and it's a different conversation. So credit to the defense there. Um, I'm going to run through some plays now, generally speaking. Um, Juwan Bentley opened the game. Very first play, good run fit on the backside. Phil Lindsay bounced the run to his side. You know, he trips him up. It's a gain of four, but the run fit is great. On a 1st and 10, also on Denver's open and drive, John Simon to chase down the run from behind. Great effort play there. Jonathan Jones, great play at the catch point here. On a 2nd and 7, it's a 9 ball. There was the one where it was into the end zone. They threw a flag. They waved it off for DPI. And then on a 3rd and 7, other side of the field, 9 ball to Jerry Junior. Jones is with him step for step. And they settle for 3. New England's first drive of the game. You know, you get the tip and the interception, which is bad. Um, but on third and two of that drive, they went with a fake jet sweep with Newton keeping it, and you get a great cut coming out by, I believe it was Michael Owenu. That was a fantastic play in space, an athletic play from Owenu, and I do believe it was him because he kind of kicked out, aluminum block down to sort of set that up. And that was a really good play. I love that design too. Denver's second drive of the game, it's a third and three. They take away Locke's first read. Jones has great coverage, gets a pass breakup on a corner route. Locke on this turn three, it looked like they were running smash when I watched it live. And again, the replays angles that I've seen, they didn't really show a good job of it. So I'd have to see it on the all 22. But it looked like they went smash with corner and flat. He wanted to throw the flat because it's third and short. They took that away. He has to come later to his second read. And Jonathan Jones is there for the pass breakup. I should mention here. New England's second drive of the game. Great hands from James White on a third and five. He's running the halfback option route, the angle route out of the backfield along the left side. Great hands on a low throw. Denver's third drive. This is when it's 6-0 Denver. Um, first and 10, you get play action. There's pressure that forces him to check it down, and you get a good open field tackle from Kyle Duggar. I like that. Denver's third drive of the game. This is early second quarter. Deep shot play action. You get... I want to see the all-22 of this play, but you get a great fill in the middle of the field by J.C. Jackson. It looks like they're in some sort of zone, zone coverage. And Gilmore passes off a post route to the middle of the field, and Jackson fills it from the other side. I do want to see on the all-22 if that was some sort of Yankee-type concept where they're passing off and they're nailing down on the crosser, and J.C. Jackson passes off the crosser to fit in the middle of the field. Whatever happened there, huge play by J.C. Jackson. Second and seven um, on the same drive. It, down near the goal line, stick nod to Albert O, the tight end. Duggar's in good position. And Albert O 
pat yourself on the back if you had him, say, tight end six in the class like I did, because he had a huge day today, man. He was impressive. You know, the, the, the final receiving numbers for him, two catches for 45 yards, but he was impressive to me. New England's third drive of the game, Izzo on a crosser on a second 11 to get it to a third and one when they sneak it. This was after Izzo got dinged up a bit. This is when you've got Herod, Wynn, Tooney, Froholt, and Owenu left to right. Second and eight, they go outside zone, backside crosser, working away from the flow of the play a bit to Isaiah Zuber. Great dangerous throw, but good velocity on it. First and 10, play action check down to Damian Harris. Great contact balance. Newton wanted the deep shot, forced to check it down, but Harris catches it you know, in the flat, runs through a tackle, gain of 15. Nice play there. They had to settle for a field goal that drive. Denver's drive before halftime. Second and 10 near the end of that drive. They, he want, Drew Locke wants the wheel route along the right sideline. He gets taken away. John Simon there for a sack. Again, taken away reads. Into the second half now, a couple more things I want to highlight. New England goes three and out. You get the sack fumble. Newton dives on it. Justin Herring gets beaten badly. Newton dives on it. No business decision there. I saw Twitter sort of light up with that. Oh, he's diving for fumbles now. Yeah, because he's a competitive guy. But Bailey had a huge punt to sort of flip the field there. Now, Denver goes right down the field, and they first and goal, but... That goal line stand, you get Lindsey for a gain of one on first down. Bentley with a huge stop with his run time and shoots the backside gap and gets into the backfield. And then third and goal, they flush lock. He tries to run for it. They stop him short. You also had a play earlier in that drive where Bentley times his blitz on a second and nine, shoots through the A-gap for a loss of 12. You get a half a sack there. Huge plays in that moment. And then Denver's sixth drive of the game. This is after Izzo's fumble. Um, Phillips with a great tackle on a first and 10 play. Um, some of the bad stuff to mention. Let's see. The first interception looked to be a designed swing, sort of check down to James White along the left flat. Isaiah Wynn looks like he gets beaten by Shelby Harris badly, who, by the way, apparently played basketball in high school because seemed like the broadcast team liked to bring that up a lot. Um, but you get the tip there. Interception, so that was a bad play. Um, doing a second drive of the game, good coverage. Jerrain Illuminor gets rolled up on. He goes down. No, Again, no idea in the world how Newton held on to that. Denver's third drive of the game. There was an inside run play, but the defensive line on 31 just got washed out, and they seemed very light in the box. Another play I want to see in the All-22. Same drive, third and eight. Y crosser to Albert O. Duggar has him in man coverage, but he just plays it flat-footed. Like he's completely flat-footed off of Albert O's release. And Albert O just runs away from him. Another guy posted a great 40 at the combine, but Albert O just seemed completely not even ready for that. Next play, first and 10, inside run. Butler goes down with an elbow injury. Teammates waving him on. You hate waving him for help. You hate to see that. Um, Denver's drive before halftime, first and 10. It looked like when Philip Lindsay ripped off a 17-yard run, Winovich seemed to dive inside. I'd have to see that again to see if that was a called slant or if he tried to cheat there. 
they played a lot of zone coverage. I know people in the Slack channel were a little bit annoyed by that. I had called for some zone coverage to try to confuse Locke, and it seemed like that's what they were doing at times. But they did a good job of play action and rolling him out, which simplified his reads against zone coverage there. That was third quarter, Denver's fifth drive of the game, a second and five. They had a crosser to Judy again off of play action. He was able to hit his first read. When Locke was able to hit his first read, like he does later in that drive too, it's a second and nine, play action, half roll, hits his first read. You know, he was able to sort of carve you up. Um, we talked about the interse second interception. Izzo's fumble, you know, you hate to see that. You know, simply just lost the ball. Um, but those are some of the bad plays I wanted to highlight. Look, they're two and three and they got work to do. That's where we're at right now with this team. They're two and three. They've got work to do. And the games are going to get tougher here on out. You know, because your adjustment period, your feeling out period is over. This is who you are. I know a lot of people have thought trade deadline, things like that. I'd be, Belichick always surprises me. But I would be sitting here right now surprised by a move. I think this is the team. This is what they've got. Their men are on the floor. And they've got to get better. And I think better starts with cohesion and consistency up front. It was the ugliness to this game. They were mixing and matching guys up front because of injuries and moving guys around. Guys were in uncomfortable positions. Joe Tooney is a tremendous player, but one of New England's best drives early. You had a first attempt at 20, plus 25, you get a bad snap and you lose 15 now at second and 25. Like Those are the things that added up. Um, so I think some consistency up front will be huge for this team. But maybe they do make a move. I don't know. Maybe they surprise me. But the work begins now because no bye week. That's in the rearview mirror. You lost it to COVID. Now you see what you're made of as a team. And it starts with the 49ers next Sunday. We'll roll into the 49ers later this week. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your loved ones. Do those Zoom calls with the family. They do help. Wash those hands and sing along as you do. Bless those Patriots' reigns down in Foxborough.